Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, I am here with Bill Simpson. Today is Friday, August the 28th, and um, we are kind of fleshing out our book outline a little bit, and then we're going to talk about raising capital in a few minutes. So anyway, hi, Bill. Hey there. How are you? Good. good. So we were talking about kind of fleshing out that chapter, just the just overarching 30,000-foot view subheadings. Um, under corporate finance, and so far we have calculating returns, inventory, working capital, and then next to that I put cash cycle finance. So all to me, inventory slash working capital slash cash finance, or inventory, cash cycle finance, cash cycle calculations, and working capital are all the same thing. Okay. And, and typically... Um, calculations. Okay. A good section title would be working capital um, why the why the finance definition or the, the the accountants have it wrong quote unquote the typical definition of working capital is your I like current, that. why you know, the accountants get it wrong yeah I, what I think is is the typical definition of it is um is I don't want to say simply but simply current assets less current liabilities um I'm thinking something about like how to read your financials. Yeah, and and to me, um, I think in corporate finance, what you want to do is you want to. I, I think we ought to talk through what a P and L is and and why it's important. What a balance sheet is, why it's important. There's a number of things that you can look at between a, a balance sheet and an income statement that sh- that give you um, important figures. Uh, one of the things is. Um, the number of days you have on inventory on hand. Another thing is the number of days it takes your customers to pay you. And, so like cycles. And, and correct. And, and then there's a number of t- days you, it takes you to pay your vendors. And the inventory plus the AR less the payable is what we call cash cycle. Okay. Um, and, that also goes into we use that to calculate um a, a different type of working capital um and i'll like i said it's 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 not the classic definition of working capital meaning um yeah, but i think that's better i mean we don't yeah, want i to agree i mean to me i don't if you're thing. unless you're a, a a you know cpa or something i mean and i i still don't know how you what Current assets, less current liabilities, tells you, um, and how you manage off that. You can absolutely manage that's off of. Well, um, yeah, so that's like net, you know. Exactly. You, your cash cycle, you can manage off of. If it's if it's forty right. days and it's gone up to forty five days. Um, Are you there, Bill? 
Denise, you still there? Yeah. Denise? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, my, my phone's been doing that today. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. But, yeah, I mean, if your cash cycle, which to me we use that to calculate, quote-unquote, working capital, um, has gone from 40 to 45 days, it, it means you're, you're tying up your money for an extra five days. And, you know, if you're a um, – you I mean, five days, you can – if you're a two million dollar company, you can take that multiply by three sixty five divide by five. That's how much extra cash you need, and so that kind of leads you into how much money you need for um, raising capital. I mean, okay. so you can you can kind of use that to kind of tell, and we use it. Um, I think you'd like this area. I I kind of I kind of like this area probably more than <laughs> that, um, and knocking the competition off the table. That's, that's right. <laughs> Um, so I mean, what I, I I like your idea of of your classic um, how to read a, a P and L and balance sheet. Um, what's important on them? Because there there are quite a few things that um aren't, aren't so important. We're gonna we're gonna come back to that. All I wanted to do is just get some stuff that I can, you know, kind of bounce back towards you when we get to that point. Um, the last chapter um, that we haven't done, and this is kind of a touchy-feely area, is um, work-life balance. And we yep. had talked about the possibility of maybe having your wife on that call whenever that happens. Yeah, she'd be happy to that. Yep. Okay. So what would be like the major areas that you would want to cover? And then, of course, I'm, I'm more than happy to invite her on that call. I'm not real good at it, so um. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say have been your challenges with it? Maybe we could take those and flip that's, them. That's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it's better to ask. That's, if you're you're spot on. I think that's a better set of questions for Pam. I mean, um, you know, it's just one of the problems with the, you know, and I think I think this is probably the problem with anybody today. Um, you know, it's just it's almost impossible to. If you think it's hard to leave work at the office in today's world, um, when you're running your own business, it's it's quadruply hard. Um, I mean, you know, it just it, you know, it's always there, and it's it's so. Generally, I I kind of think if you're um, starting your own business and running it, you're you're really it's like having another child. You've got another family member. And you kind of got to, um, and you know, it's one of those things where I, I don't. I think a work-life balance chapter is interesting and important, or at least a section. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where I've, I've got a much better work-life balance now than I did um, ten, fifteen years ago. Maybe what we should do on that one, if you don't have like clear-cut ideas that just kind of pop into your brain, maybe what we should just do is kind of keep it open-ended for yeah. now. And then when we schedule that, we'll just kind of have a freewheeling conversation and see where it goes. Sure. That sounds fine. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to close this out. All right. And let's see what I'm at here. Okay. So today, then, now that we've got corporate finance flushed out a little bit. 
Uh, we've talked about personality traits, risks, and rewards. Um, I just transcribed the, um, the audio on business plan. And um, our topic today, as I texted you, is money and raising capital. And yeah, I, 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 I know I was not in my best last Friday, so I'm sure that was a torturous event to try to transcribe last Friday's onto something. <laughs> what, was it, what was the torturous event? Try, tr- trying to transcribe last Friday. Oh, <laughs> you know what? There's just more pauses. That's all. Because. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't say the ums and the ahs, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway. Um, okay, so our chapter subheadings under raising capital is uh, why you need it, who you get it from. Actually, what I say is from who or who you get it. Can you grow the way you want, taking it to the bank. And then I have this book chapter, The Narrow Road, you've talked with me about. Um, so there might be something in there you want to refer to. It's so, funny because I, I just... um. I just went to that book because it's such a. You know, I'll be honest with you. We're, we're in a situation where I, I, I don't. I, it's not true. I guess I do need to raise capital, but it's for me. It's, well, you, it's, you want to take on these two guys, and to do that, you need to go beyond what your, um, you know, your um, traditional credit chase payment. credit line. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, just it's it's you know when you get to a certain level, it's just it doesn't seem that hard. It, it's it's much harder for a young man or a young lady or a you know let's say a middle aged woman who wants to start a business. Um, I mean, the first thing you got to be able to do is calculate how much money you're going to need, and there's um, a lot of things that go into that. If you're carrying inventory, you got to determine how much inventory you're going to be able to have to carry. If you're, um, hopefully you're selling the inventory, so you got to see how fast your inventory is going to be turning. And as you increase your sales, you need to, the inventory needs to come up. Once you sell it, you got to figure out when you're getting your money. If you're, if you're selling to credit cards, that's actually, it's a, it's a great way in startup in my mind, um, if you can accept credit cards, take credit cards. If you're selling to the retail public, the retail public, probably 90% of people are going to pay, pay via credit card. Um, if you're business to business, it's different. Um, if you're business to business, a lot of them are going to want trade terms. Um, the problem with that in startup, trade terms are often 30 days. Um, and so, you know, if you the buy... Big 30, three, the big three automotive companies back in the day their terms on when they would pay their suppliers was like 90 days. Correct. And Accent's terms are 60 days. So as you get bigger and more leverage, you can, you can, we can get terms from our vendors, but as you start up, you're not going to get good terms, right? And so it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. If, if you're, let's say you're in a startup and you got to carry two months worth of inventory, that's 60 days. Um, you're cutting then you let's say you start selling it and you have to give your customers since you're B2B 30 days that's 90 days um right. and if your vendors require you to pay in just let's let's argue 15 days cuz you're a startup um 75 days if you're selling $100,000 a let's say $150,000 and you're making 50% margin or 30% margin just 100,000 cost 
you've got to come up with three hundred fifty thousand dollars just to do mm-hmm. that little small business right there. Um, mm-hmm. And that so does cover all those spreads and everything. And that doesn't include um paying the electricity. And so right, um, and the rent and keeping the phones turned on. And so to, to raise capital, the first thing you got to do, and, and it's interesting, maybe you maybe you flip the chapters or you allude to it. Before you raise capital, you got to know how much capital you're going to raise. And if you um if you go to sit down in front of a bank and they ask, well, you know, this is a good little business plan. Um, how much do you like? You feel like you need, and you shrug your shoulders. Your your chances of getting a loan are pretty slim to none. Correct. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's I mean, what there's there's four or five ways to raise capital. Um, the best way is to do it out of earnings. Um, so if you're very profitable through your operations, you're you're generating cash. That's essentially okay. capital, and so um, you know that's to me that's the best way to do it. The second preferable way um, is to go to a bank, and um, and I think it'd be interesting to talk through um, what a revolving line of credit is, what a typical way to get a. Um, oh, okay. Let me add that in here as a chapter subheading here: lines of credit. As part of going to, yeah, if you're going to a bank, you got you ought to know kind of the. The vernacular, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, revolving, <laughs> revolving line of, yeah, the revolving line of credits and and um, you know, you, you, what covenants? Because typically, if you um come up with a, if you borrow a million dollars from a bank, they're going to want you to turn. You know, that's kind of funny for somebody who's starting your own business. All of a sudden. You know, even though it's your own business, the bank's going to want to look at your financials every every month, and they're going to want you to be calculating, you know, various things of whatever they decide the covenant's going to be. And if you're um if you're outside the covenant, you're, you know, you're. So my understanding of the word covenant is it means sort of like a promise. Uh, on a in a bank term, yeah, in a bank term, a covenant is um. You have to maintain a debt to equity ratio of three to one or more. That, for example, equity ratio three to one. You said just for example, yes, or your 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 fixed interest coverage, which is um all your interest payments compared to your earnings, has got to be five to one or, or something like that. Some, I'm just coming up with a number, but you know, there's there's a number of different covenants a bank may ask you to do, and if you if you um if you bust one of the covenants, it's called defaulting on a covenant, and that's not a good thing. Um, and so, you know, but first thing is when you walk in the door, you ought to know, you know, you ought to have some kind of business plan, which is which is somewhat what we talked about last week. I, I did a right, poor job right. of it, but um. Yeah, you have you have a business plan, but you can lay out that has a concept backed up with some financials, and those financials should also step to where how much cash you're going to need over the next six months. Um, and then, um, and then you, you know, like I said, when you sit down in front of a bank, you've got to um, have you know some kind of working knowledge of of what a bank is going to offer you. Either revolving line of credit or a loan on um, 
you know, you could a term loan, but normally businesses are going to be revolving lines of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, the second way to get capital is to um, bring in a partner. Okay. And the best example of that in today's world is Shark Tank, right? Right. Right. Um, I need to raise capital. I need money for thing. Um, I'm I valued the company at X. The shark or the VC guy is going to say, "Well, I disagree." The, the my valuation of the company is Y. At some point, theoretically, you agree to it, um, and there are various terms for around that money being loaned to the company. Uh, often, it's going to be ownership, a certain percentage of the company, and possibly other things. Um, it sure is on Shark Tank. Yes, so that, that's and that's very typical. So I mean, um. And this could be, you know, venture capitalists. Um, there, there's many ways. I mean, you know, there's. I think some of the. I think it'd be interesting to talk for crowdfunding. Yeah. In this section, because this is all part of um, various ways to raise capital. Um, I'm raising a little bit of money in crowdfunding right now. Are you? Uh, it's, it's neat. It's a neat. It It is. I mean, this is kind of a sad thing. A friend of mine I've known for 12 years passed away Wednesday night of breast cancer, and there's like three kids. One of them is only four years old. And so anyway, it's it's funny, all these people who say these wonderful, lovely things about her, it's like I can't even get them to donate $10. I'm up to 2000 but I set it up for 10000 you know, just to help the family. Yeah. But I've never done it to... Um, you know, raise money for a business thing. You know, but yeah, I mean, I've gotten emails from someone who came up with some like kitchen utensil, and they had some silly video, and within forty-eight hours, they raised three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes the people get shares. Sometimes they'll get a you know um, various things. I mean, one of the guys I I know of his winery that he gets um. I think he's theoretically some kind of, you know, non-preferred stock owner, but also, um, you know, they get a case of the, the, the wineries' preferred wines every year. So there's there's perks and stuff around, you know. So I, it's actually, a, a, you know, particularly in startup, it's a it's an interesting, good way to do it. Um, and I think I'd put that in if you're doing it in terms of preferability um, ahead of going to a VC. But it's it's not going to... I don't think it's going to get you a million dollars or two million. Maybe so, but I mean, that's a pretty, a pretty rare that's situation. Rare. Yeah, that's rare. So, anyway. Most of them are going for smaller chunks. Exactly. But, um, but sometimes they, you know, they just explode, you know? Yep. Um, you know, I, let me look at this little book and see if there's anything in here that I'm missing because he talks about Is this the narrow road by Yeah. Sense? You should pick up a copy of that. It's good. He says you can marry into it. That's probably not a good way, is it? 
Um, you know, it's funny. He lists VCs higher than banks, and I would disagree with that. Um, but he lists VCs what? I'm not sure if this is in order of preference. Um, well, you're the writer of your book, or the author yeah, of your book. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would say banks are generally first. Because well, what you're... To me, what you're trying to do, to me, to me, the most important thing is, is eventually control and controlling stake is what really owning a business is about, right? And when you go to the sharks, you're, when you go to VCs and people like that, you're giving that up. You're not necessarily right. doing that. You're not doing that with a bank. Um, you're not doing it with crowdfunding either. Correct. And you know, so, capital. I would, I would put those ahead. Um, I mean, again, the 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 last is kind of a variation of crowdfunding, but is a little um, scarier. Um, and in my opinion, the last the least favorable. But um, friends and family, quote unquote. Yeah, he, he lists. He lists. He lists it as well. And you know, you I like mean, friends and family, or do you he doesn't like it. It's one of the last. But I mean, right, you know, right. I mean, I, I would say thirty percent of the businesses started up are probably helped along at least through loans from friends and or family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's a legitimate source of. You know, you're probably not talking about mon- millions again, but um. You know, and again, you got to kind of know what you need. But that that little example we gave just a second ago, in which you need three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. You know, maybe you'd get two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand, or excuse me, line of credit from the bank, and you know, a hundred thousand dollars from friends, and fifty thousand dollars from your own house mortgage. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I, I think another source of capital should be um, your money. I mean, right. how serious yeah. and how 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 much do you believe in it? I mean, um, I've had to take out mortgages on my house. I've thrown my my kids, you know, I've recovered it now and put it back in. But I've cashed out kids' college funds. Um, my parents, when they started accent, um, my mom's father had just passed, and um, essentially his inheritance was used to help fund accent. Yeah. And so stuff like that. Um, you know, I mean, if you're, it's one of those things. I mean, um, you know, what's what's more important, the um, hundred thousand dollars you have saved for the kids' college funds when they can go get college loans, or starting your business? I mean, I'm not saying either answer is right, but I mean, um, that's that's truly the type of um, you know, if you're if you're all in on a business, you're all in on a business. So your dad pretty much started the um, started the company on money that was an inheritance. Correct. That was nerve of him. An inheritance is defined as as you know. I'm, I'm. We're not talking about millions. I'm not even sure you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, it was modest, but it, you know, it's when you start up, it's your your needs are probably modest. Right, right. Tell me a story, um, Bill, 
of a time in your business when you needed to raise capital and how did you do it and how did it feel? Just like one sort of snapshot in time. Well, in 2009, late 2008, I guess, um, it's funny, this was right prior to the global financial crisis. And the global financial crisis had an effect on us in, in different ways. Um, but because frankly Chase was very good to us during that period of time Um, but in the beginning of 2008 the first six months I mean there wasn't anything we could do that didn't turn to gold I mean and um, you know it was a challenging time for us because I mean we were doing really well steel was highly appreciating I mean, like doubling within a few months. I mean, it was wow. crazy. So that was a, and so in addition, you had the the Beijing, the, the Chinese Olympics in Beijing, which um, a lot of steel mills were being shut down because of air quality issues. So during this this run up in steel, we had to buy additional steel to get us through the period of time where um. The, the mills weren't going to be producing. So we had a lot of steel on the water, a lot of steel in Chinese ports, a lot of steel on the floor. And, but like I said, I mean, there was nothing, I mean, there was nothing we could do that um, didn't turn to gold right then, that first seven, eight months. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, but come September, it, it knows over and, and, Right as the GFC started to happen, uh, steel collapsed, and so um, it's really amazing. We had, you know, we might have had um, steel on the water or steel in China. There was um, steel on the water means it's coming across the Pacific Ocean. Correct. Okay. Um, now we may have paid, just choose a number, six hundred dollars a ton for, and we're planning on selling it for seven hundred dollars a ton. Wow. But, you know, which is fine. I mean, by the time it hit here, um, the market was at $500 a ton. And a month later, it was at $400 a ton. And so, you know, it was, it was an amazing, terrible thing for us. Uh, I mean, you know, so essentially most of the profits that we made in the first seven months were given away. And we lost millions in, in 2009. Um, Jeez. As the... As the housing markets ground to a halt, because in addition to having steel that was priced higher than we could sell it for, as the housing market ground to a halt, nobody wanted to buy anything. So all right. of a sudden, your inventory ballooned. And so, all right, so what all does that mean? Um, it means you're upside down. When you're losing money, you're upside down on working capital. Sure. And so um, you're having to throwing money to buy inventory on the other side of the business that is still operating um, and backfill losses. So, I mean, um, I mean, it's one of those times where you kind of swallow hard and um, I mortgaged my, I took out a second mortgage in my house, put that money in, uh, cashed in a few of Pam and my retirements and the kids' college funds and, um, just threw it in for working capital for the company. And so um, 
you know, I had the confidence that we were going to weather it. Um, but, you know, in, in the end, it really doesn't matter because, uh, let's say for argument's sake, the company had not weathered it. Um, the bank has, um, as part of the loan guarantees to the bank, they essentially own most of what we have anyway, right? Right. And so um, <laughs> you might as well throw it in, right, um, if the company right. needs it. And so, you know, my parents did the same thing. Todd did the same thing. So, um, you know, that's that's an extreme example of um, having to ante up, so to speak. Um, so what did you, where did you do? Where did you end up getting the capital from? One chase. In, well, yeah, you took a second mortgage. You cashed in some of your kids' stuff. So how much really do you raise by doing all that? A million dollars? Not a whole lot. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase, an incredible thing, because I don't know if you remember what finance markets were locked down right then. Um, they increased our, increased our credit line, I think, a million or two million dollars, which was a wonderful vote of confidence by a, by a bank that was under a lot of pressure. And so, you know, we were able to borrow on from Chase another million, two million dollars. So, um, I mean, we would have probably been in trouble if Chase said, you know, we don't like the direction of this. Instead of moving you from 12 to $14 million on the credit line, we're going to move you down from 12 to 10. That would, that's, that's how, that's how the, that's how it starts, quote unquote, on some of these other companies that go under. So, I mean, um, you know, uh, we recently bought a company in the UK. Um, all the shareholders, I asked for, you know, it's it's. So in that example, I, I did what's called a capital call. Um, so I asked all shareholders to throw in um, for the equipment. So we bought 150,000 pounds worth of equipment. Um, what is that? 225,000 dollars. So I, I asked. You know, that was an element of the acquisition, and I asked the shareholders to fund that um, from their own pockets. And if you can't fund it, you're you're bought out. Um, and so, you know, we had a capital call, and so all the shareholders had to figure out how to throw in their percentage of, um, so if you own 10% and the, the amount due was $200,000, you owed me $20,000 to fund this. Um, if you didn't believe in the acquisition or you couldn't come up with the money, um, you got bought out for the buy-sell agreement down to... Did that happen with anyone? Nope. Everybody... Everybody called yeah. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's not it's no fun, is it? I mean, but, you know, it's one of those things that you're you're investing in the future. Um, right. Up, we opened a new bank account over in the UK. Uh, we went to a new bank and opened a... New revolving again, another revolving line of credit to fund some other stuff. So um, it's funny. There's all kinds of inventive ways to get cash once you're. You know, success- I meet a lot. I, I meet a lot of people, and they're like, "Okay, I got five thousand dollars open on this credit card, and twenty thousand dollars open on that credit card, and you know, uh, seventy-five hundred dollars open on that credit card, and that's kind of how they start." Well, and that's not a if it, that's a good point, Denise. I mean, that's there's. I mean, all right. The the interest rates are a little higher than 
a bank, but I mean that may be what you. I mean, again, you're you got to understand that that's that's high, that's expensive money, but that's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, it's you, you're either going to start or you're not, and if you can't get the bank to fund it, you can you can fund it through credit cards. Um, you know, I would strongly advise once you're on your feet and you're you can convince some bank to fund you, you pay off your credit cards and put that debt on your line of credit. But, um, I mean, it sounds kind of irresponsible, but, um, you know, starting a business is irresponsible. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So, I mean, um, starting a business is irresponsible, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, um, it's why most people don't do it. Um, and so it kind of goes against conventional wisdom, so to speak, doesn't it? But um, it sure yeah, does. I mean, but I mean, so does so does mortgaging your house to cover it, or so does um cashing in your retirement to cover it, or you know, I'm not I'm not sure what the difference between putting a hundred thousand dollars on five credit cards is versus borrowing a hundred thousand dollars from a bank on a revolving line of credit, other than the interest rate. Um. I mean, one one of my one of my clients he uh, it lives in Washington State and he's an engineer and he has a hydraulics business. Now it's much smaller than yours. I think he has like fifteen twenty employees or something like that. But he said he put together his plan, went to the bank and asked for forty thousand dollars, and they said absolutely. And he went, I didn't ask for enough. Uh, that's a good point. Um... Yeah, I, I yeah, that that's a very good point. And I would the revolving line of credit, you don't have to fund your whole line of credit up. So if you if you estimate that you need again three hundred thousand dollars, you might as well ask for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar line of credit. And then you can I mean the bank's not gonna let you borrow more than they think you can pay back. So I mean Debt to equity. So you may have a million dollar line of credit and still only be able to borrow three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. But then, you know, you've asked for, you know, asked for more. That's a very good point. And I, I think that should be added in the bank okay. section. That's a very good okay. point. Okay. All right. Um, so, you know, when people are figuring this out, which I think will be kind of be included in the business plan um, chapter somewhat, um, you know, knowing how much to ask for is and, and, and what it's going to go towards. I mean, you know, some of that, it seems like, is in your projections of what your expenses are and what your income is going to be, you know. And then we had talked uh, last week or the week before about a wag, wild-ass guess, and the scientific yep. wild-ass guess, you know. My dad used to talk about that. But... Um, how do you know how much to ask for? Uh, you need – that's a good question. I mean, um, you need to be able to put some numbers together, kind of estimate what you need to ask for. And so that's kind of where I say you, you probably need – you know, your planning part, um, maybe maybe what you need is – maybe, uh, you know – it's, you know, I like numbers, so I don't want to make it too number-centric. But, I mean, you could have planning, um, corporate finance one, and then the raising capital, 
and then later in corporate finance too and how to manage what your results are. Because, you, can, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, you know, and I think, I think um, stuff like quick ratios and all the, all the little stuff that a lot of the CPAs and finance guys geek out on are, are almost utterly useless and ridiculous ratios. So, I mean, I, I think, I think um, but there's no point in talking about that up front. I mean, that's more when you're man, you're managing and kind of, you know, so maybe there could be a management thing in which you go through your P&Ls and I love KPIs. Um, what are KPIs? Uh, key performance indicators. Oh, okay. Um, KPIs are, um, and we, 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 I mean, we meticulously search for and manage KPIs. And they're not as easy as you might think to, to to figure out what a KPI is, but we we have groups sit down and, and come up with okay, so what is the most important thing driving profit in this business? And we get we a good there's a lot of good discussions around what they are, and you know so we may on the whiteboard put the top five or put all all things on there, and then as a group kind of zero in on the top five, and then say okay, um, the other thing that's important to us when you're managing a business is if you're looking at a, a KPI and you're going to manage your business towards that KPI is you want to be looking what we call a lead KPI, not a lag KPI. Um, a lead KPI is something you can manage during the month, and if you're managing it well, it's going to generate what you want at the end of the month on your financials. A lag KPI is something that you just, like I said, at, at the end of the month, you push the buttons, you get your financials and say, okay, that was good. That's a lag KPI, and that's kind of useless for managing a business. Um, it's the lead KPIs you want to be. And it's 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 very hard. I mean, you know, so you got to, is it something you can track? Is it something that everybody can buy into? Is it something that anybody can influence? All, all those type of things. But when you get one or two or three really important lead KPIs in a business, I mean, you can build whole management plans around those and it can really drive sales or profit or operations uh, throughout the business. Um, that could all be in that second finance part. Um, kind of, so kind, so there's, kind, no, kind of there's, no quick and, there's no quick and dirty formula like six months worth of operating costs or one year of operating costs or something like that? Maybe in a service business there is. Um, but without the, if you're carrying any kind of inventories, whether it's T-shirts from China, um, and the majority of the people that you see on that show Shark Tank, when they're going to ask for money, Restaurant tours are different, but when they're going to ask for money, they've got there's inventories on the floor, or there's inventories mm-hmm. in China, and so the interplay between how much inventory you're carrying, how long you're carrying it, how fast you have to pay your vendors, and how fast you get paid by your customers, completely influences how much cash you need, um, in addition to your operating costs. So, um, yeah, I mean that's it's it's you know, like I said, if you're just a service person, so if you're um, if you're opening up a, a line of chauffeurs, um, all right. So um, 
let's say if you're opening you need up a show. Need cars. Precisely. So if you're opening up a chauffeur company, you probably need to figure out, okay, so, for, so the first month I'm going to hire two guys and they're going to be busy half the time. So maybe half the time you're going to lose money. So you got to figure out how you're going to cover that. And the second month they'll be fully busy. Month three I'm going to hire another person. Okay, so you need two cars and three cars and you got to, you know, how, you, how are you going to sit all that? So, you know, that's that's investing in capital or borrow or, or leasing one or the other, I'd be leasing the cars. But um, to me, you're not carrying inventory. And so that interplay um, between inventory and customers paying you and you paying vendors is not as important. Mainly what's involved there is just the amount of time that you're, um, how you're going to fund your vehicles. Um, you got to pay insurance. you got to pay your drivers. you got to pay the insurance on your drivers. you got to, you know, got marketing and advertising expenses and all those. So there's some, and you know, you're probably going to lose money for a period of time. So um, that's where your funding comes in. And that may be forty to $50,000 like, like your friend asked for. Um, and I would, I would ask for free time. If, if you're doing something like that and just, just on operations, I'd ask for three times more than you think you need. So he, you're, you're probably right. He should ask for $120,000. Um, okay. but yeah, you can't really do, there's not a rule. I don't, I'm not, there's not a rule of thumb for just operations, um, operating expenses for say three months. Like they say for, you know, I think a household, that's kind of the rule of thumb. You should have cash on hand for three months worth of your, um, monthly expenses. But the problem is there's a big interplay between, um, again, inventory and, Turns are in your inventory, and how long you have to pay for that inventory, and how fast your customers are going to get your money, and sales. I mean, you're in trouble if you, you know, you bought a bunch of inventory and your sales team's flailing and not being able to sell it. Lots to consider. Well, it's it's not that, um, you know, it's just a couple things that you got to just think through. But um, it's all that goes into how much cash you need to run a business, and you know you, you you need to know that before you go ask a bank for, you know, because it could have been your friend did need eighty thousand dollars, not forty thousand dollars, um, and you know it's it's you know it just it's laborious going asking for forty and then having to go back two months later and ask for another sixty. It's better to have your funding taken care of up front. Yeah, they say, like, ask for the right amount the first time because yeah. it's not as easy to go back. Like, if you discover you didn't estimate enough. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever have a time when you went and you had to, you know, you really kind of had to scramble to find it? I mean, that situation in 2008 with, you know, the steel markets in China going sky high and everything sounds like a situation where you kind of scrambled. Well, I mean, even just when Accent was really growing in a clip, I mean, um, we would, it was, it was kind of a, you know, one, it was a kind of at the beginning when you're growing, it's kind of a shell game with your vendors on who you're, um, who you're going to pay first, right? Right. Um, 
and then you know as you grow fast 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 you're you know we were often bumping up against the credit line at our debt to equity ratio we kept pushing the bank and i mean it, we're we're now down quite low but it was a point to where our covenants were at four and a half to five and that was always part of a that means we owed five dollars for every dollar of equity we had so that was your that was the debt to equity ratio yeah i mean there was a period of time in the you know in the 2000s where we were we were quite leveraged and all that was just to get going and you know um now the the business turns off a lot of cash but um, there was a time when, you know, and you were always kind of juggling on, you know, I don't think we ever said no to a growth opportunity. So we'd, we'd do the growth opportunity and then tr- figure out how to finance it. Um, so you have kind of an aggressive posture about these things. And well, maybe not aggressive is the word, but Well, no, it's, I would say we're You're extreme. out there. You're, bull- you're bullish. You know? we're, we're extremely aggressive on all those on, on growth and opportunities. It's kind of funny because my brother, when he he's my brother joined the company four or five years ago, um, and Todd's not nearly as aggressive. Um, he's more cons- and frankly, that's probably good now for this the size of the company now. But I I just I think you've just got to you got to be really aggressive and go for it when you're on startup. And also, I, I like that. I added it into my um Does that kind of sets the pace, or or why do you think that's especially important in the startup phase? I think good opportunities don't come around when when you're in startup. If you got a chance to get a good salesperson or expand into a different territory and bring on a line, I mean, you, and it's it's a good opportunity. They don't come around that often, and you you. You know, we typically do back of the envelope, not anymore, but we used to do really more back of the envelope calculations and then pull the trigger um, and then try to figure out how to bring it on operationally and um, financially. You know, I'm, I'm going to look, we're luxurious, it's luxurious now because I, I can I can pretty much finance anything we need to do, but we still do that and then, then everybody throws their hands up and figure and gets frustrated on how we're going to do it operationally. Um, <laughs> well, but, but that's like that old saying, I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I just, to me, you just really got to, and there's some, I mean, I'm starting to accumulate quotes like you. There's some, there's some wonderful quotes that would fit in that section or that little commentary around that commentary. Um, Yeah. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. You had told me a couple of weeks ago that there were a couple of guys you want to take on, yeah. and you said it's going to take me like twenty million to take them on because of everything that they're going to sell, and then you're, you know, um, everything this whole process that you've been yeah. talking about and everything. And then you said, well, we can either take them both or take one at a time, you know, so you're not bumping up against the top of that $11 million revolving credit thing, you know. So have you made a decision what you're going to do on that? Uh, I've got a call after our call with PNC about financing them. So, I mean, that, that's that's a, a different thing. There's, there's certain things in which you really have to do your numbers, um, probably on startup, 
Um, you know, but if you're going to go from Texas into Louisiana and it's going to increase your sales by 20 to 30%, you kind of have to have a sense of what your numbers are. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, that's the type of gut things that we would just make pull the trigger on. Bring on Zach and Nate. Um, you know, our revolving line of credit is $14 million. If they both came on at $40 million, like I said, you're, you're going to have to um, get another 15, uh, $12 to $15 million worth of financing. That's doubling the line of credit. Right. Um, that's something you better have the financing in place before you pull the trigger on the people. Right, right. And so, you right. know, there, there are times when you really have to do your homework. Um, and there are times when it's just more of a gut feel. Um, you know, and there's a lot, number of times we've pulled the trigger on gut feels and, and you know, it was the wrong decision just on the business. But, you know, that's just it's kind of what we a talked couple, about earlier on mistakes. A couple a couple weeks ago you called it a boneheaded move. <laughs> Yeah, sure. A boneheaded move. You know? <laughs> I took that out of there in the final <laughs> chapter. I called it something else, you know. But anyway, um, something else I wanted to ask you. Oh, you were starting to kind of look up some quotes. I'm starting to put together some quotes for you. Yes. Okay. I don't have. I've got one quote that I love from Will Smith that I just ran across the other day. Oh you yeah, know? he's got some good ones. The actor, Will Smith? Yeah, something about, um, I know one thing. Um, if you and I both get on a treadmill. I will outwork you, and I have stinking work ethic or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or something to where either I'm going to win or I'm going to die. <laughs> it's, yeah. kind of a cool, it's kind of a nice little, and, you know, I, I, frankly, I think if, you're, if you don't have the same feeling about um, your business and your competition, you have no business starting a company. Um Man, I think that's a kind of a. I don't know how you work in it, but as I've been looking around, that's a good quote. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can look up some by him because he's uh, he's got some good ones out there. But yeah, I'm I'm starting to accumulate um, quotes for you. Okay, cool, cool beans, good, good. All right. So, how do you feel about this conversation? Closing thoughts on raising capital. You know, it's funny as we talk through it. There's there's additional ways that I really hadn't, and you know, it's, it's I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, if you want to throw some more out there, this is a good time. Yeah, I'm it's I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because you know it's not something we have to worry about now. But credit cards are, I hate to say it, but a good way to do it. I mean, um, you know, you're you're running up credit card debt, and you know, society and conventional wisdom says that's a bad thing. But I mean. I, I really, your comment was good. I, I really don't think there's much difference between okay, if you're going to put a hundred thousand dollars on a revolving line of credit, a hundred thousand dollars on a, you know, credit card. The interest is right. a lot more expensive. Uh, family, the crowdfunding, I really hadn't thought through, but I think that needs to be touched on somehow. Um, I'm, you know, I, I understand that at arm's length because we haven't done that. Um, revolving. I know. Line. I, I mean, I went to a. I went to a seminar on crowdfunding a couple of years ago. This was more sort of like corporations putting their um, their information out there that they were looking for real funding, not like just 
you know, $10,000 help me pay for these, you know, this new machine in my shop or something. But, I mean, they they were looking for sort of like VC funding, but through crowdfunding websites, you know. So I'll have to see oh, if I still you. have any notes um, on that. I'm And I'm sure that's absolutely a... I'm sure there's VC funding through crowdfunding websites, um, no doubt. Dan, there's, I guess there's family and friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, closing thoughts on money and raising capital. Well, I think you need to um, – it sure is helpful if you're in startup mode to know – to at least have a – an order of magnitude of understanding or estimate of how much you need. Um, and particularly with a bank, it's it's frankly probably better to ask for the ability, not, not to have them scratch the check or f- fund you, but to have a, the line of credit as high as you can make it, um, just so you don't have to go back. Um, but like I said, you, you really need to know what the number is. Um, we're kind of close enough. And so, you know, it's, and that goes back to financials. And so I think we might want to put the financial section, um, at least an, a, an introduction to finance, financials or math or, you know. Do you want me to, uh, like, uh, move the chapters around and move financials yeah, maybe, under well, your business plan and then raising capital? Yeah, maybe business math 101 um, you could. Okay call you know in the in the planning section so you could because you know that way you can it can roll you into the raising capital after you know how much capital you need right right, and right. a little, little later on the financials around managing your business okay all right so, so you, i'm going to add business math it's funny how as you go along you come up with you know, I mean, that, all my clients do that. As we go along, they go, I think we should add a chapter on this, you know. And in the in the early stages, you know, it's like it's easy because then I can kind of average out all the chapter lengths to some degree. Business math, whoops, 101. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Good. Good, good. good all right. Right. Well, I will um, have a chapter to you before our next meeting on the business plan. And uh, I did decipher the recording. No problem there. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you have a good weekend. And next week, same time, does that work for you? Yeah, I think I'm out of town next week. Let me um, look. Um, Actually, we're on vacation next Friday. Oh, Okay. It might it might be good to wait uh, go two weeks anyway, just because that will give me a chance to go through both these chapters and forward them to you. Okay. If you, if that's what you want to do, then um, let's see. Um, that puts next... us on the the eleventh. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Denise, you have a good weekend. All right. I will. I will. Thanks you do the same. Okay. Right. You take Bye-bye. care. Thanks. Bye bye. He's the nicest guy, you know. Come on, here we go.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.